This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. I am delighted and so excited to have Dr. Mindy Peltz. She's empowering people all over the world to believe in their body's own healing abilities through fasting, diet variation, removing chemicals from the body, and so much more. She is a recognized leader in the alternative health world and is a founder of Family Life Wellness, her local clinic that is made to speed up healing and maximize performance. She is also the founder of the Reset Academy, a private group where she and her team help people implement the principles of fasting, keto, and diet variation into their daily lives. She is the host of one of the leading science podcasts, The Resetter Podcast, and the author of three best-selling books, The Menopause Reset, The Reset Factor, and The Reset Kitchen. I'm so excited to have you here this afternoon. Thank you for carving yeah. time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. If any time I can talk about fasting, keto, and hormones is a happy day for me because this is a message women need to hear. They really do. And I know we were talking before we began our interview that I feel like women largely are misrepresented. You know, everyone's interested oh, in us when so we start true. getting our periods and we need contraception. And, you know, we're talking about fertility and infertility and pregnancy and postpartum. And then all of a sudden, we're not nearly as focused upon. And I think for many of us, we kind of navigate our 30s into our 40s and we think about menopause, but we think it's so far off. We don't yep. even consider what that transitional period will be like. And one of the things I'm very upfront about is that I hit perimenopause, like I fell into a wall. Like I was doing all the wrong things. I was over-exercising. I was probably too low carb. I was- um, You and I were the same person. (laughs) All of a sudden I gained a bunch of weight. And I remember, you know, going to clinics, seeing my own patients. And I'm like, I feel like I got inflamed overnight. I suddenly couldn't sleep well. Nothing was working right. And so I would love to kind of dive into a conversation about how to support women as they're making this transition. And I know intermittent fasting can be a a piece of that, but what are we doing wrong? Like, what is our conventional mindset about that transitional period? What are we doing wrong for our patients? So great question. Sorry, you can keep going. (laughs) I just love the way you phrase that because I think that's what the right question to ask. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a little bit of how I stumbled upon Mm -hmm. fasting, detoxing, Mm -hmm. keto, diet variation for my own perimenopause, menopause journey. Mm -hmm. And it really was like when I hit 40, I felt like I was in the best shape of my life. Mm -hmm. And to me at that time, that meant very long runs, hour, two hour runs on a Sunday morning. I ran all the time. I worked out like a maniac. Mm -hmm. I was paleo at the time. And so I was eating really well. I was taking supplements, like doing classically Mm -hmm. all the right things. So at 40, I felt great. Mm -hmm. By the time I hit 43, I felt horrible. I wasn't sleeping. I had hot flashes. Mm -hmm. I was gaining weight, didn't make sense. I was doing all the same Mm -hmm. things. And so I actually stumbled. I kept asking people, like a lot of my friends because right this is what we do as women we're like let's go ask our girlfriends (laughs) let me ask my big sister like what's your experience and they all looked at me and said they laughed and they're like oh you're just going through perimenopause Mm -hmm. this is it get ready it's gonna be this horrible yeah 
And I remember thinking, like, the human body is not meant to break down at 43. Something is not right. And one day I stumbled upon a good friend of mine who's an OBGYN, very well respected in the community that I was a part of where we were raising our kids together. And I told her my symptoms. And I was waiting for this, like, miraculous answer from Mm -hmm. her. Like, at that point, I was like, surely she's going to tell me, like, get on some fancy medication or do something like I was so desperate for the one trick. Mm -hmm. And instead she turned to me and she said, Mindy, I have a practice full of women like this Mm -hmm. and my medical textbooks have failed me. Yeah. And I have no idea what to do with these women. What are you doing with these women? Then she flipped it on me knowing that I did nutrition and detox Mm -hmm. and was like, give me advice. Right. And so I walked away from that conversation and I realized if it's happening to every woman, Mm -hmm. then it has to be something environmental. Mm -hmm. And by environmental, I mean toxins, but I also mean it's how we live our lives. And I think what most women don't realize and the question that I'd love or the conversation I'd love to have with every Mm -hmm. 35-year-old woman Mm -hmm. is that once 40 hits your ovaries are going to be done and they're going to slowly, it's not like it's done overnight. They're going to slowly decline. It's going to take 10 to 15 years for these Mm -hmm. ovaries to be out. But you literally have an organ that is done doing its job. Mm -hmm. It'd be like if your like heart was like, Hey, I'm done. I'm just going to (laughs) slowly like this. I don't understand why we don't talk about this. Right. So As those ovaries start to check out, they have to hand the job of making sex hormones, progesterone, testosterone, Mm -hmm. estrogen, over to other organs. Mm -hmm. And usually the main organ they hand it over to is the adrenals. Mm -hmm. So now you put me in a room of, you know, 45-year-old women, and they are stressed out, overworked. They're most, by the time you're at that point, your kids are usually like in four different sports and Mm -hmm. learning five different languages. And I mean, the pace for the 45-year-old woman is so intense that there's no way she can balance her sex hormones. So the question that we all need to ask ourselves is what can we do differently starting at 40 so that Mm -hmm. we can ride this decline of hormones. And this is where intermittent fasting and keto and all Mm -hmm. these principles can really be life-changing. And I think people don't need to be afraid of it. I mean, a lot of the rhetoric that I hear across social media, and I talk very openly, I'm 49, so I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm still a very you know, youthful woman. Yeah. I like to think youthful. But at 49, I understand this so much better than I did five years ago. And oh, I, I yeah. think so many of us kind of bumble through our lives and we're like, oh, I'll deal with that later. And so the conversation that I want to have with women in their 30s is like, listen, the better you take care of yourself now the easier that transition will be. You don't have to go through perimenopause and be horribly inflamed and not be able to sleep and have chronic hot flashes. Like there's a woman I met and I felt so badly. She had suffered for five years. She was like 52. And she said, I haven't slept well in five years. And she said, I've tried everything. And I said, but if we don't work on what's driving that, like we've got to get on the sleep piece. And for anyone that's listening, my standard mantra is if I cannot get you to sleep through the night, I cannot get you to lose weight. Let me make that very, mm, very clear. That's sleep a good is foundational like to our health. And so for yeah. anyone who's listening who thinks, oh, it's not a big deal, it is a big deal. So if we can ratchet in on 
you know, being a little kinder to our bodies and not doing chronic cardio and getting outside in nature. You know, I'm in Washington, D.C. And so I would say nine months out of the year, it's the weather's decent enough that you can do that. You know, there's a couple months where it's pretty cold, but you can still put a hat on it and go outside. But, you know, there's so many things that you can do for your body beneficially, like even getting into meditation, which I was so hesitant to do. And yep. yet we want to tap into that parasympathetic, the rest and repose side of our brains, because we're so sympathetic dominant in this culture that we're in. I mean, I think anyone that's in a westernized country, maybe during social distancing and COVID, maybe things have slowed down a little bit for most of us. Oh, I, yeah. You know, it's the been pace great. that our lives was driving at was not sustainable. Yeah. So when you're having these conversations with your female patients, where does it start from? Like, what are people most receptive to changing first? Because I find if you try to lay it all out at once, it's so overwhelming. And it's a lot. No way. I can't do that all. Yeah. Well, gosh, there's so many things to tie into what you're saying (laughs) that, you know, the first thing you want to do is support these adrenal glands Mm -hmm. because they're about to take on an extra load. Mm -hmm. So if you just go to that one organ by itself and ask yourself, what can I do to support it? Now, it'd be easy to say, we'll throw a bunch of supplements at it, but our bodies are miraculous and we don't always need to throw supplements at it. We often need to just change our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I did this same thing you brought this up. I changed my workouts. That was like one of the first things I did. I stopped running really long. We started doing more yoga. Mm -hmm. I really dramatically got off that chronic. I need to, in order to keep my weight where I want, I need to be able to, I have to exercise like a crazy woman. Mm -hmm. I changed that behavior first. The second behavior then became, okay, since a lot of women are focused on weight loss, well, if I'm not going to be exercising like a maniac, how am I going to keep my weight? Well, that's where fasting Mm -hmm. comes in, is that once I started to intermittent fast, and then I started to learn like 24-hour fast Mm -hmm. and do some longer fasts, I found I didn't need to work out Mm -hmm. the same way that I did before. So, okay, now I've got fasting going into it. Mm -hmm. Then when I looked at, well, I was paleo for many years, and before paleo, I was Mm gluten-free. And so I'm like, well... If I intermittent fast and then I keep my breads and pastas and all of those kind of refined carbs out and protein, I'm a fan of sort of moderate protein, Mm -hmm. not too much protein, but maybe I lean into more good fat. Mm -hmm. Now my blood sugar is more stable. My energy is more stable. I'm keeping my weight down. And so you can see, and now I'm not requiring my adrenals to have this like up, down, up, down moment. So to me, those are kind of the three biggest shifts Mm -hmm. is that you've got to stop stressing the body out with the chronic exercise. And that really goes for also your life. You got to learn to say no to things a little bit more and then start fasting and then start bringing that blood sugar down with the foods you're eating. And those three things, I mean, we see it in our online world, like those are game changers for women in their 40s. Absolutely. And you know, that sad thing is, is that as we get into perimenopause and menopause, we're more prone to insulin resistance. Like I have, I would say out of 15 private coaching clients I have right now, a third of them easily are relatively thin women. They don't have a lot of weight to lose and they're all insulin resistant. And so, you know, for me, I keep reminding them that 
you know, you can be doing all the right things. And we're just so much more prone to insulin resistance as we're getting older that that blood sugar stability or dysregulation, if it's not well stabilized, can really be a huge difference. And I was teasing with my, my so I have all boys. So I'm the only female in my house, including- Oh my, my gosh. And so I was telling my kids over the weekend that I allowed myself, I was like, I don't do it very often. I just had a day where I just had a little, I like dark chocolate. That's probably my one vice. Had a little bit of dark chocolate, had a lot more than I would normally- and so my way around that is, you know, I can take chromium GTF, I can take berberine, and I took two berberine. And berberine, we know, is one of those supplements. And for anyone that's listening, I'm not a fan. I always start with the food piece and then supplements if needed. But I knew for myself, I could tell my blood sugar was up. I started to get some hot flashes. I didn't feel quite so good. I was like, wow, this harkens me back to maybe how I felt five or six years ago, even when I was eating relatively healthy things. And so it was a good reinforcement for me, just being aware of how we feel when we eat certain foods. And, you know, you mentioned going gluten-free that there's so much alignment between us. I went gluten-free, <laughs> then I went paleo, then I went lower carb, then I'm fully ketogenic all the time, but I probably flux in and out. But what maybe worked for you in your thirties in terms of nutrition may not work for you as you're getting older. Like dairy is not my friend. I don't do well with dairy. I've accepted this. We've broken up amicably. <laughs> I've heard a lot of women say that, by yes. the way. Well, it's yeah. funny. My, one of my providers calls it the dairy five, meaning for many women, as soon as they get rid of dairy, they lose that last five pounds ah, they can get rid of. And so the point of what I'm saying is, you know, the N of one, you know, kind of figuring out for yourself what works. And it might be someone tolerates grains, someone else doesn't, maybe someone tolerates dairy, someone else doesn't. But you have to do a little bit of experimentation and not be rigid with yourself. I think that's giving ourselves the grace. You know, it's a lot of what you're yeah. alluding to. And I think this is what I put in the menopause reset is, you know, when I went to go write that book, I was like, we, I don't want to write a book about all the magic pills, alternative pills you can take, the magic, I call them the magic mushroom, mm -hmm. you know, for women who don't want to do HRT. So they want to know all the alternative. Like I was not interested in writing a book about that. What I was mm -hmm. interested in doing is helping educate women that once you hit 40, your lifestyle needs to be different. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my like aha is I, I just kept the same lifestyle that I had in 20 and 30 and I just carried it into 40 and it stopped working. Right. And it would have been so easy to just call it menopause and start to medicate. But because of what I know about the body, it was like, why is the body performing like this? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I want women to know is that 40, the lifestyle has to change. Yeah. And the sooner you wake up to that, the less pain and suffering you're going to have as you go through this journey. And I think that's so important. It's a message of hope that you do have control. And yep. sometimes it means you have to make some small changes some, for other people, maybe larger changes that can allow you to continue to age, you know, age gracefully and age in a way where you feel like you are still your authentic self and you're just kind of making tweaks. So let's pivot a little bit. Like what makes fasting different for women in perimenopause and menopause? Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, women, while they're still cycling, still in their fertile years, it's very different than it is as we're making these transitions. And yep. how do we navigate this and use it as a, as a successful strategy? 
Yeah. Are we talking about fasting or keto and fasting? Are we separating those two out? So let's start with fasting and then we'll pivot into keto because I think it's important for people to hear other than from me. I feel like sometimes it's always helpful to have another woman talk about ketogenic you know, lifestyles. Yeah. Let's start with fasting and then we'll pivot. Okay. So the best thing, and I learned this actually, I think you might've had her on your podcast. I learned this from Dr. Anna Kabeca and it Mm -hmm. really makes sense, which is that there's a hormonal hierarchy Mm -hmm. and the hormonal hierarchy has oxytocin at the height at the top, which is blows me away. This is why you can have a stressful day and pet your dog and all of a sudden you feel better. Mm -hmm. But oxytocin is going to control cortisol. Cortisol will control insulin Mm -hmm. and then insulin controls all the sex hormones. So if we just leave cortisol and oxytocin out of it, Mm -hmm. insulin controls the sex hormones. So let's start by controlling insulin. Mm -hmm. And what we learned from Jason Fung, I mean, his, the obesity code was sort of the first awakening that holding on to weight is an insulin problem, not a calorie problem. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at fasting for 40 year olds, one of the greatest way, or for anybody, but especially if you're 40 and above, one of the greatest ways to get these sex hormones under control is for you to control insulin. And one of the greatest ways to control insulin is to start to fast. Mm -hmm. Because what it does is it makes your cells more uh, sensitive to insulin. It makes your cells more sensitive to glucose. Mm -hmm. If you start to get into some longer fasts, like 36-hour and 48-hour fasts, you're forcing your body to go find the glucose and insulin that it stored Mm -hmm. years ago. I actually think controlling insulin is more effective through fasting than even changing your food. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the same way? I do. And the longer I fast, the more, and here just to jump back. So we've had social distancing in our area since March. We're in Washington, DC. We're still socially distanced. Kids are doing hundred percent distance learning in September. And people have asked, what is the secret to how some people did or did not gain weight while socially Mm. distancing at home? And I said, well, I think it's a lot of different things, but I think one of the most critical things for me was movement every day and fasting because I could, you know, here and there, I could eat a little more of this, a little more of that and get back on track. But, you know, when your body is tapping into fat stores for utilization of energy, then that's much better than you're eating every two hours. Like I think the average American, and this is stupefying, average American consumes food or a sweetened beverage 16 to 17 times a day. So everything I've every heard time that. to create insulin 16, 17 times a day or two or three, very, very different in terms of your biomedical or biophysical profile. So I think for me personally, I do think fasting is kind of the hierarchy of you know, kind of keeping yeah. things, keeping things at bay. When I first applied fasting in my mid forties, I was like, oh my God, I'm not sure I'm ever going to work out again. Yeah. Like I realized all of a sudden that I was working out to control my weight. And so then I started looking at, well, what do you like doing? I like going on hikes and mm-hmm. I like going to yoga. And so it got me. And then I started asking myself, well, okay, if you're not using working out as a weight loss tool, you're using fasting as a weight loss tool, mm-hmm. then where do the workouts serve mm-hmm. you? And I've now come to a place that they're my mental health. That's how they serve me. So, okay, let me create an exercise program around that. But fasting is my weight loss trick. Mm -hmm. One of the most common concerns I see in perimenopause and menopause is hair loss, hair breakage, hair shedding. And knowing that over 80 million Americans are impacted by this is both reassuring, but it's wonderful to know that there are products available that can help 
with these symptoms. Divi is good for those with hair shedding or thinning due to stress in perimenopause or menopause. They can be helpful for addressing dry scalp. And have you wanted to take control of your hair health but aren't sure where to start? This is where a Divi can be hugely impactful. I love their scalp serum. And we know that the scalp serum improves the appearance of breakage, nourishes our hair follicles, and removes product and oil buildup. There are some key ingredients, including tea tree oil, which works to reduce and prevent excess oil buildup on the scalp, amino acids that help to strengthen hair, fight frizz, which is my greatest concern, and reduce breakage, and copper tripeptide 1, which is a small protein composed of the three amino acids to facilitate a clean and hydrated scalp, as well as hyaluronic acid, which is nourishing and hydrating to our scalps. As I mentioned, Divi is not just for those experiencing hair loss. I found it to be hugely helpful for scalp health and all of Divi's products, including their shampoos and conditioners, Come together to create a full daily solution that helps women nourish their hair and get to the root of scalp health. Do you want to take back control of your hair and scalp health and do it with clean, science-backed ingredients? Go to DiviOfficial.com slash Cynthia or enter Cynthia at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's D-I-V-I official.com slash Cynthia for 20% off your first order. As I mentioned, my favorite product is the scalp serum. And now that we're in the deep throes of winter weather, it is so wonderfully nourishing and moisturizing. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armrest Colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think there are a lot of limiting beliefs about women, you know, men obviously go through andropause, but I think there's so many limiting beliefs. I mean, I look at my grandmothers when they were in their fifties and I look at 
most of my girlfriends who are late 40s, early 50s. And I'm like, wow, it's a different mindset. I think people are not quite as accepting of, you know, I turn a certain age and therefore I have to accept these things. And so yeah. one of my kind of standard mantras is I don't accept weight gain as a normal function of aging nope. because I think weight gain is a, a reflection of so many things, so many imbalances, you know, whether it's hormones, lifestyle, et cetera. And so I always say, if we can get things better balanced, if we can find a system or a set of strategies that are effective. And I love that you say exercises for mental health, because that was what I did. I mean, everyone in my family thought I was nuts. It didn't matter how cold it was outside, you know, March, April, May, I went out in my winter coats with my two dogs. And I'd awesome. Walk, I'd walk for four miles, five miles every day. Cause it was the only thing I could do. <laughs> yep. Did you ever do that where you like would beat yourself up? Like, Oh, I didn't run as hard as I wanted to mm -hmm. today. I didn't, you know, and testosterone starts to decline in your forties mm -hmm. too. So as testosterone tanks, your motivation for working out really changes. Mm -hmm. So I found myself like pushing and pushing yeah. to do the old way I used to work out. Mm -hmm. But then when I came to fasting, it changed my whole relationship yeah. to working out. It was so cool. And I think forcing outcomes is something that I seem to have to, that mindset shift for a lot of women in particular. I'm like, anything you have to force, don't do. Like yeah. I find for myself, like I just took two or three weeks off from lifting because I just was in a position where I was like, we were changing gym memberships. And I was like, do we really want a gym membership? We've got a home gym. Do I want to just do solid core classes, which I'm really loving, which is really tough, but it's a different way of working my muscles. And I just said, I think I'm in this pivoting point of my life where I'm just trying to figure out like, what do I want to do now? I'm not forcing myself to do any type of exercise. It's like, awesome. are there some days I don't do anything? Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And I yeah. think we just have to give ourselves grace and not beat yep. ourselves up. But I find for many, many women, they want intermittent fasting to be the magic bullet. And I have to remind them there are a lot of different reasons why it may not work as yep. an effective weight loss strategy. And so we have to dig a little deeper. So let's dive into ketosis and ketogenic diets, because I think there's a lot of misinformation. A lot of the best example I can give you is see a lot of people, they think I'm eating keto, so I'm going to eat five pounds of pork a day and I'm going to have, you know five avocados and I'm going to have, you know, two blocks of cheese. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not the right way to do keto. So right. how do we do keto effectively? How does that impact the results we can get with intermittent fasting and ultimately impact weight gain in a positive way? Yeah. I think the first thing is that if you're going to go from intermittent fasting to keto, I really encourage people to get a blood sugar reader mm -hmm. because the blood sugar and the ketone reader, it's such a better measurement of what your body is doing with food mm -hmm. than the scale. Mm -hmm. I actually, my scale broke about four years ago and I decided I'm not getting a new one. I'm going to turn to the blood sugar reader to see mm -hmm. how that is working for me. And so if you're going to do keto, the blood sugar reader is really powerful. The second thing is when we go keto, there's a couple of things for women that they need to think about, but especially the perimenopause woman. In the keto world, there is a tendency to go, oh, I'm going to completely give up carbs, like you said, and then they go overdo it on protein or they overdo it on fat. There is, and that's not what we're looking for. That's, it's again, we're back at extremes. We want to create a lifestyle where your body can ride this hormonal ups and downs very effortlessly. So I recommend something what I call ketobiotic, where people are not bringing their carbs down to like 10 and 20 grams. They're doing 50, mm -hmm. keep it around 50 net carbs. 
And when you eat a carb, make sure it's coming from greens. Make sure it's coming from vegetables. Make Add in some, and I call it biotic because we're huge fans of sauerkraut and kimchi. And what are you doing to feed your microbiome? Like you have a whole set of bacteria in your gut called the estrobilome mm -hmm. that break down estrogen. So if you decide to go low keto, high carb or high protein, what's going on for the microbiome? How are we supporting the microbiome that breaks down estrogen? So that's kind of the first couple of things that I look at. I find a lot of women who go intermittent fast, do keto and still struggle to lose weight are doing too much protein or too much fat and not caring for their microbiome enough. So that's why I like more of a ketobiotic approach to keto. Now, having said all of that, for the perimenopause woman who still has a cycle, there is one time of, the, of her month, or let's call it her 60-day period, whenever <laughs> it decides to show up, that she absolutely should not be keto. And that is right before she's about to shed, like right before mm -hmm. she bleeds. Typically, this would be at day 21, and you need progesterone then. Mm -hmm. And how you make progesterone is by eating things like beans and squashes and citrus fruits, tropical fruits. Grass-fed beef will do it, but uh, potatoes are great mm -hmm. for progesterone. So what I find with a lot of women is that they try intermittent fasting first. They get a good little break, a good little result there. Then they go to keto and they go low keto and they don't think about their cycle. And that's where we start to get in trouble. They're too low in the carbs, too high in the protein, too high in the fat, and they're trying these extremes when the body's trying to make progesterone, and now the result is nothing. And in fact, it usually increases anxiety, creates more spotting because mm -hmm. progesterone is what allows that uterine, the lining of the uterus to shed. Mm -hmm. They get worse menopause symptoms, and now they're like, keto didn't work for me. Right. Oh, and they can't sleep. That's the Can't big sleep, thing. more everyone, hot flashes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And but I love that you encourage women, you know, in that premenstrual phase to up their carbs because it's something that I've come to find if they're they've got enough carb variation or carb cycling that week, they don't have as many food cravings. They're not craving chocolate or sweets or other things. And if you're giving your body really high quality carbohydrates, you know, the cakes and cookies and dark chocolate kind of things, that all of a sudden your blood sugar is better balanced, you're going to sleep better. I think yep. this is really, really critical and such valuable information. Now, do you find that women, once they've made the transition into menopause, that do you encourage them to cycle carbohydrates or to change things up? How does that kind of factor you? That's a great question. Once you're beyond menopause, then you just need to think and realize that you have very little estrogen and progesterone, and those are protective hormones. So the way that we get estrogen and progesterone is through a higher carb diet. Mm -hmm. So you're going to need to splash in what I call hormone building days, where you step out of ketosis. Mm -hmm. Usually I tell postmenopausal women it can be once a week or every couple of weeks throw a two or three day period where you step out mm -hmm. and you lean into the foods that I mentioned where you're trying to build hormones. And what I find is, you know, the other, I'm sure you see this with your people that it's weird how people can be postmenopausal, but they still have all the symptoms of menopause. Yes. 
And so yeah. the same rules apply. You just don't have a cycle that you're going to focus on these hormone building. Mm -hmm. So it's the in and out of these different scenarios that make or different phases of eating that will make all the difference. Mm -hmm. But we live in a culture that says, give me one diet. Yep. I want the one diet and the one fast and now I'm good to go. Yeah, right. But it doesn't work like that. We are meant to have variation. If you go back to the caveman days, mm -hmm. they had in the winter, they were meant to go into ketosis because they were in the cave and they didn't have access to food. So they had a, a way of making ketones so that they could stay alive. Mm -hmm. But then in the summertime, they had tons of access to food, longer days. So we were not meant to do the same day, same style over and over and over again. I could not agree more. Much like I remind my clients that we don't want to do the same exercise same every thing. single day. Our bodies yep. get adapted. I said, once you've gotten once you're, you know, you're fat adapted, once you're, you know, using ketones for energy, that's the time that you need to start, you know, cycling or transitioning or, you know, creating variation, just like you wouldn't do, for example, 16-8 for the rest of your life. You know, you're going to have days where you're going to have more calories and it could come from, and I hate to use their calories, more macros, either from protein or carbohydrates, where you're going to have more days where maybe you're doing a longer fast. And I think that's really critical that our bodies adapt best. We talk about that term hermetic stressors, that we do things to stress the body in beneficial ways. And there's definitely too much of any one thing is not good. So I remind people, Absolutely. over exercising, under sleeping, not enough variation in your fasting schedule or being really rigid. Like I'm not a fan of rigidity. There's very little in life we have to be rigid about. You know, definitely as it pertains to nutrition and pertains to fasting schedules, I think we have to give ourselves, I always use the term, give ourselves some grace. Absolutely. Celebrations. Every once in a while you may have a glass of alcohol, although if you're perimenopausal or menopausal, you'll realize if you have that glass of alcohol, you may suddenly get some hot flashes or not sleep as well. That's why I rarely, if ever, drink because it yep. just isn't worth it. My sleep is too precious. Yeah, and I would agree. And I think this is what I see in my community. It's I want to honor the fact that it's very difficult because then it gets confusing. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for me to stand here or to, to get onto a podcast and say, keto, intermittent fasting, it will solve all your problems. Mm -hmm. And then that's all you do. It just doesn't work like that. We have to learn to vary it. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people to start with intermittent fasting, learn how to get into ketosis. Mm -hmm. Now, once you're there, let's teach you how to do some of these, this, what I call feasting. Mm -hmm. Let's do it healthy. Feasting doesn't mean you eat whatever the heck you want. Feasting means, okay, let me eat foods that I know are going to maybe build me muscle. Like mm -hmm. you could feast on protein. You could do carnivore one day and decide I'm going to mega dose on protein to build muscle. Mm -hmm. Or one day you could feast and do, I'm going to build up my progesterone. I'm going to do chili with some potatoes. Mm -hmm. But we become zealots for one nutritional style of eating. We even walk around and say, I'm ketogenic. You know, we like label ourselves mm -hmm. and we, it's not serving us. Yeah. It's such a good point. And I think when we're rigid in our dogma, as it pertains to labels, we lose out on opportunities to try new things. I'm very open about last year, I had a very long hospitalization. Never underestimate the power of a ruptured appendix. Mm. I remember when I came out, I couldn't do paleo. My mm -hmm. gut only tolerated meat. I did carnivore for months and months and months. I had sworn I would never do just carnivore. And it was actually something that helped heal my gut. So yeah. 
I like to be very upfront and say, now I'm kind of carnivore-ish because that still works really well for my body. But if we remain rigid to dogma or perspectives, we'll miss out on opportunities to, you know, experience things that could be profoundly beneficial. Now, I love that you kind of talked on detoxification, detox. And so obviously some people will do a lower carb diet. They'll do intermittent fasting. They're still not losing weight. And so what are some of the reasons why that can happen? I know that I always say people get tired of me just saying this. <laughs> healthcare provider can be hugely beneficial. What are some of the other reasons you sometimes see women stuck? You know, they're not getting the results they want. Yeah. So again, let's go back to like, I like to step things out. Like, okay, so we're going to assume that this person that is stuck Mm -hmm. understands that they may be over-exercising. They Mm -hmm. may be too stressed out. When the body's in stress, it it will not drop weight. Like you Mm -hmm. said, if you don't sleep, you can't lose weight. If you're stressed all the time, the body will not drop weight. So Mm -hmm. managing stress becomes really important. And I've seen a lot of women over-exercise and they start to gain weight. Now you learn how to fast, which is great. Maybe you start with 15 hours a day. Then you add in keto and you start to understand the keto variation and you're still not losing weight. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of options at that point. One is, like you said before, sometimes you're going to have to force your body to adapt even more. You're going to have to put your body into a place where it is, you're almost like forcing it to become a fat burner. Mm -hmm. And you can do that through longer fasting. So my favorite fast for women that are stuck and can't lose weight is the 36-hour fast. Throw in every week, every couple of weeks, a 36-hour fast Mm -hmm. and see if that unsticks your body's ability to go find the glucose and the Mm -hmm. insulin and the toxins that you've stored in fat. Mm -hmm. You need to force it to go find that. The second thing, if you're like, well, we have people in our resetter group that are like, I've done five-day fasts and I've only lost one pound. Wow. Then you're now looking at a toxic issue. Mm -hmm. So remember that the brain has to know that the fat is there for it to burn. Mm -hmm. And it does that by communicating via hormones. And the fat burning hormone that you want to tap into is leptin. Mm-hmm. And leptin has a receptor site on the outside of the fat cells that where it can send this hormone back and forth to the brain. But if those fat cells are packed with endocrine disruptors and mm-hmm. heavy metals and glyphosate and all the toxins we're seeing in our environment right now, and your hypothalamus pituitary, which controls all hormonal connection, has toxins in it. It's like taking two toxic people in a relationship that aren't, aren't communicating well mm-hmm. with each other. So that's where once all those other steps are not working, you got to detox. You got to look at getting into some type of detox, which will remove those interferences to the fat burning capabilities mm-hmm. of your body. And I think it's important for people to understand that our body ideally uses detoxification in many ways. So we breathe, we sweat, we poop, we pee. Our liver is intricately involved in detoxification, but as Dr. Mindy said, there are so many things, environment, personal care products, and food that can kind of muck this up. And and we think about chemicals we're exposed to, and this is why I think it's so valuable for people to really look at their personal care products. And I always say, you know, if you can do nothing else, change your deodorant, change the lotion or the soap you use, and change what you wash your face with, like three things that may take a little time to find the right deodorant for you. But the point being, there are definitely ways you can do that that are going to limit your toxin exposure. And like in my house, I've been buying 
you know, cloth covered hangers for the last couple of months. My family thinks I'm nuts because I kept saying, we have so many plastic hangers. And my kids were like, I don't understand why this is important. And I said, plastics in our life should really be limited. Like as much as we can, little changes. And obviously most people can't do everything all at once. It makes their head spin out. But I think it's really, really important to just be aware of what's in our environment that can make our bodies not work very efficiently. And if you have a lot of adipose tissue, a lot of fat to lose, those toxins stay stored. Your body does it to protect you as frustrating yes. as it is. Yes. Really frustrating. But that leptin resistance, that lack of communication between leptin and your brain is what can cause you to overeat and your body's trying to protect all this. And I'm probably oversimplifying it, but it can actually make it harder to tap into these things. So you really have to do the due diligence. And this is obviously for people who still feel like they're stuck. They're not, yeah. you know, maybe they're not, their best friend lost 15 pounds of intermittent fasting, their husband lost 20 and they've lost zero. Yeah, and they're so frustrated and then they say it's the diet or they beat themselves mm. up. I really want to relieve women of mm. that kind of thinking. You said something that I just want to point out that does not get talked about enough. <laughs> and I tell my resetters to do this. If you want to know how to lose weight, the next time you look at yourself in the mirror, I want you to thank your fat. Because your fat, it, the reason that you are accumulating fat is because it's excess storage mm -hmm. for glucose, insulin, and toxins. Mm -hmm. If your body didn't store it in fat, it would store it in organs and you mm -hmm. would be dead much quicker and you right. would be aging much quicker. So your fat is just excess. Just mm -hmm. look at it as excess. It may not be, it doesn't mean you were an undisciplined person. It means that it, your body had during the years that you didn't quite understand the principles of eating, mm -hmm. perhaps, your body had to find a place to store it so that mm -hmm. you stayed alive. And it did it in fat. Okay, so now when you apply the principles, and you're not losing weight, then a good question is to ask the body. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one, -on -one, interpreting your data, and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insight 
insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believe that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Like, what is it that I need to do to be able to help you feel safe to drop the weight? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that is toxins. Sometimes yeah. it's toxic thoughts. You've got to like stop the judgment. You've got to relax and just stop trying to muscle your way to weight loss. But it is there to protect you. And what I find, I'm sure you see this Mm -hmm. with your people, is once you find your rhythm with weight loss, it's literally like somebody just pulls like a big thick winter coat off of you. I can see it here in my clinic. Like people come in in one week time period and I'm like, oh my God, like, your face is changing, your waist is changing. That is such a different approach to weight loss than just hopping on the scale and seeing that the numbers are what you want. It literally, your body will shape shift as you figure out your formula. And I think the whole weighing yourself daily, like I have women in a group, we've, the group has only been in existence for a little over a week and they're on the scale every day. And it's Ah. like their entire mood lives and dies by the results that they see. And so I'm very much of the belief system. I didn't grow up with a scale in the house. If I did, I wasn't aware of it. And I never step on the scale because I just kind of go by how my clothing fits. Exactly. My clue into, okay, you've overindulged or maybe you need to cut back a little bit. But I think we do women such a disservice that we are kind of born and raised largely believing that it's a number on a scale. And I've seen women who like they're, the number on the scale may be higher, but they're actually leaner because muscle weighs more than fat tissue does. Right. And yet they'll yep. still beat themselves up or they want to be a particular size. And I'm like, have you ever been that size? Well, no. Okay, well, like what's realistic for you? 
And, you know, what's something that's sustainable? Like, I don't want people to say, oh my gosh, I had to kill myself to get this particular weight or size, but it's not sustainable and they're not satiated. They're not sleeping well. And so those toxic thought piece, I think is so, so important to bring up. I'm so grateful that you brought that up because that's the discussion that most of us are not having. We're not talking about how disruptive that can be. And those limiting beliefs, you know, people, if they're constantly stressed in their brains about, you know, whether it's saying themselves, you're a bad person because you haven't, this hasn't worked for you. What are you doing wrong? This worked for five other people. And I just yep. remind things we're our own N of one, like each one of us are our own bio individuals and it might require something completely a little tweaked a little bit differently for each one of us to work successfully. Yeah, it's so true. This is what I love. Again, I'm back at the blood sugar reader because when you get on the scale, it's not really telling you anything other than if you're a good person or a bad person. I mean, really? But the blood sugar reader will say, will tell you what did dinner do last night for you? Mm -hmm. What did your fast do for you yesterday? How are you managing your blood sugar? Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to bring the blood sugar down in order to get the ketones to go up. And when the ketones go up, it's a sign you're burning fat. So now you can actually see in action what's working for you. So, and then the other thought I had on that is I've really experimented with this in my forties, which is there are times when I've been fasting a lot and dropped a lot of weight and I'm maybe a little bit underweight. And I feel like my sex hormones are worse when I don't have enough fat on my body. And I actually, I'll be 51 in October, and I was thinking to myself, what if a healthy woman's body, especially going through menopause, Mm -hmm. is not supposed to be like what we see in magazines? What if we're supposed to carry a little extra fat? Mm -hmm. Because in fat is where estrogen is. And we need estrogen to protect us from heart health. And we need some good estrogen to make sure that we don't get breast cancer and ovarian cancer. What if the goal at 50 is not, you know, look like I did at 20. Because for my hormones, I need to carry a little extra weight. Yeah, it's definitely a delicate balance. And I find one of the discussions that's starting to come up frequently now is bioidenticals versus synthetics and those kinds of conversations. And so obviously, it's a very personal decision for every woman as they navigate perimenopause and menopause. And for anyone that's listening, you know, our body makes predominantly estradiol as the primary form of estrogen until we go through menopause. And then our primary form of estrogen is estrone, which is made in our fat cells. So what Dr. Mindy is talking about is for thinner women in menopause, if you're not doing bioidenticals or synthetics, you know, is your body properly supported? And I guess that's obviously a, a discussion that everyone has to consider with their own healthcare providers. But I find that a lot of the women I know that are navigating the beginning of their menopausal years, those are discussions that, you know, there's a lot of controversy, obviously such a personal decision, but something that, you know, you bring up that's really great. Cause you look at a lot of the people that are in Hollywood. I use that as an example because you see the outliers of society. These are people that yep. are freaks of nature anyway. And then you add in the added pressure of having to look a particular yep. way, even as they navigate middle age. And so it's such a, it's such a challenging question. It's funny when I hit perimenopause, I went and bought every book on perimenopause and menopause to read And so I can say without a doubt, there was very little information that was out there that wasn't fear mongering, but I did, I was humored to see Suzanne Summers for those of us, like I'm really dating myself talking about, you know, three's company from the (laughs) seventies, but she actually was onto something when she was talking about the food piece, you know, she was 
talking about how frustrated she was as she was hitting perimenopause and menopause and what little information there was. You think by now we'd like get on the bandwagon and realize that women do indeed need really good quality information. But when women come to you and they're trying to make decisions about how to navigate that space, what are some of the resources or some of the recommendations you make to them about how to go about making the best decisions for themselves? Well, the first thing I would say is before you hop into bioidenticals or HRT, ask yourself if you've cleaned your lifestyle up. Mm -hmm. So in the menopause reset, I map out five things that I think every woman should do as she goes through menopause. And fasting, keto variations, feed your microbiome, detox, and make sure you're not rushing what I call a rushing woman, just, you know, with a chicken with your head cut off. So if you have dealt with those five things, then, and you're still struggling, then that's where bioidenticals and HRT can come in handy. But the problem is, is that we're going to those medications too quickly without fixing the problem. And if you don't fix the problem, it's going to come back and bite you at 60. Mm -hmm. So if this is why I'm like, I wish I could just sit every 40-year-old woman down and go, okay, let me tell you what's about to happen. And (laughs) here are the five things you're going to need to focus on as you go through 40. And then when you get to the other side of that, you're going to be so much happier in your 50s Mm -hmm. and 60s. But it's like any other medication. If we put a Band-Aid on it, then we never really get to the root cause. Mm-hmm. It's going to come back and bite you at some point. And I think so. that's so valuable because, you know, being a traditionally Western medicine trained provider with some functional training as well, I agree with you wholeheartedly that that's the approach. And I know even for myself, you know, I see a nurse midwife who I adore. I love her personally and professionally. And we have these discussions, you know, every year I go in, it's like, you know, you're getting closer to that point in time where you may want to think about your options. And what I've appreciated and valued is that she's gives me the information. We talk about it. She knows how I feel much to your point that the lifestyle and nutrition piece is absolutely critical because, you know, we put a bandaid on a problem. You know, I find a lot of women come to me and they're like, well, I've been on bioidenticals for five years and I'm still getting this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, well, what's your diet like? What's your self-care like? You know, they feel like they're being selfish or they're not able to advocate for themselves or, you know, their kids go to bed at midnight, so they can't go to bed earlier. And I said, I've had months and months and months of my kids going to bed real a whole lot later than me. I've just had to accept that. Like I have to go to bed early. I'm oh, in yeah. puberty me, years. Me too. There's no yeah. shame in mom going to bed before no. everyone else. Now I tell yeah. my husband to put the kids to bed. Yeah. No, but it's a joke in my family. I'm like, it's nine o'clock. I'm out. You know, and they're like just starting a movie or something. Yeah, I'm like, okay, exactly. well, I could sit here, I'll pass out on the couch, but otherwise, yeah, and then you I'm can't out. Fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. There's yeah. that. Yeah. Well, this has been such a valuable conversation, and I cannot wait to share this with my listeners. How can everyone get in touch with you? Find your book. I know that I actually have a copy of it, The Menopause Reset. It's fantastic. Lots of great information there. It'll be really valuable for women before you go through menopause to get a copy of this and read it and you know take it to heart. How can we find you? Well, so the book, it's on Amazon right now. We'll send you a link for your listeners where they okay. can download a free version of it. Awesome. So remind me to get make sure you guys yep. get that link. It will come out in print in November. So stay tuned for that. You can go to my YouTube channel and yep. find all the videos I've done on fasting for hormones. Instagram, we're always trying to take our YouTube and put it over on Instagram mm-hmm. to simplify it. And then of course, you can go to my webpage. So we are just keep spitting out content, hoping that it will help change lives because 
lifestyle truly is where it's at. And when women get a hold of that, it's miraculous. I mean, we live in a miracle and menopause shouldn't be a time of life where that miracle goes away. It should be a time of life where you are stepping into the wisdom of all the heartache and all the suffering and the problems you've had. It's like you were, and Dr. Christiane Northrup and I talked about this. It's like, that's the moment in which you should be thriving because your wisdom is emerging. It shouldn't be the time that you're hiding because you hate how your body feels. Oh, what a beautiful message. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review. Subscribe and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.